Well, hello, listeners, and welcome back to Equity Unpacked. I'm your host, Amy Reback from the Stock Plan Services team at Charles Schwab. Our journey today will take us deep into the profession of the equity plan or equity compensation administrator. And we'll take a day-to-day look and debunk a few myths about what this role entails, the career opportunities and exposure it offers, and even some tips on how to promote the plan administrator role to attract new talent. Here to help us unpack it all is none other than Lamont Walker, who leads the equity compensation team at Lyft. Lamont is a well-known entity in the equity comp industry thanks to his impressive career history, his passion for creating more awareness for the profession, and of course, because he's just that person that everybody wants to know or is glad that they already do, myself included. And yes, are, are you blushing? Are you oh, blushing, Oh, just a Lamont? little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> Now, I think everybody knows I'm pretty excited and I've been looking forward to this day for a really, really long time. And it's finally Lamont Walker Day on Equity Unpacked. <laughs> Lamont, welcome to the show. Oh, wow. Thank you for having me. I mean, this is great. And you really have, that's an awesome intro. Like, I'm ready to roll now. I don't know. I could follow you around. We could do that all the time. It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Lamont. Let's start with your background, understanding that the equity comp administrator role is not very widely known. I know our listeners would love to hear about your career path in your own words. So let's hear the story of how you got here. Oh, wow. I mean, I could really make this a a Netflix special, but I'll keep it nice and short and sweet (laughs) for you. I'll say this. Grew up in Alabama on a farm. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom is a aerospace engineer. So I wanted to go into computers and things like that because I saw her doing those things when I was really little. When I was in high school, I saw a movie that I probably shouldn't have been watching. Um, it was called um, Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> and I just wanted to know how did somebody, these two guys that were super rich, go broke while these other two guys became super rich that fast. And of course, you know, it was exaggerated, but that's what made me want to learn more about stocks and commodities in the market, not necessarily frozen orange juice, but you know, other things that you could definitely invest in. Um, So I kept that in the back of my mind. And when I graduated college, I was a computer engineer, had a job, but I did have in the back of my mind, like, I still want to learn more about equity and stock and things like that. So fast forward, I did um, get my broker's licenses and things like that. And I was working on the phones in a call center for for a broker and helping people out. And I was doing fairly well and got the opportunity to go through a promotional track, whether I could be a a power trader, options trader route, or as the person told me, or you can go into stock administration. That's exactly how they said it. And I'm wah, thinking, wah. exactly. <laughs> and so I was doing my research, but as I read more about stock administration, I realized it was a field that was growing. There weren't many stock administrators out there. And there were a lot of companies who were issuing equity to their employees. And I was thinking to myself, basic supply and demand, this may be the best route for me to go to even though everybody around me was telling me to go different routes, don't go this route. Um, And so when I went this route, then that's when I realized after getting my CEP and those things and going through the weeds of what this really entailed, I realized this is something that's really awesome. I really like what I'm doing and I get to interact with people, which none of those is what I was doing when I was um, in my computer programming days in Atlanta. It was 
pretty much office space. Cubicle. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a pocket protector, but I felt like I had one. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just code, 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 go home. And that that's not my, that's not who I am. And so as I continued to go down the stock administrator route, that's when I realized there was a lot more from stock administrators, well, that stock administrators were asked to do than what I was told when I first started. Um, and so that took me to the route where I am today, where I was in Phoenix with a company. Um, that company's doing great. Went to another company who um, decided they weren't going to issue equity to all employees anymore. So that's the first time I had ever been laid off. But that's when I also learned the power of the role, because after I was laid off, there were so many opportunities and jobs available for me. So I was only without a job for a couple of weeks while trying to find out what my next job was going to be. Um, that brought me to the Bay Area where I am now and where I said I would never live when I was in Alabama. Nobody from Alabama wants to live in California. I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> but I'm here and I do love it. And now it's like I want to do whatever I can to educate more people about this role and my path and, and the opportunities that this role provides. So that's the short part. But if you want to do a Netflix special, I'm all for it. You know, we can, we can put it together. You know, it, it's interesting that you said, like, there's such a juxtaposition between the way the role was represented to you. Like, hey, you could be a trader. You could be a commodities trader. Or oh, behind door number three, <laughs> you can be an equity administrator. But let's not talk about that. I mean, it highly misrepresented, but at the same time, highly in demand. So there's, there's a huge disconnect there. Would you agree that it, it's... A very well-known job within our industry, but the day-to-day of what it entails and the kind of opportunities it, it offers, not very well-known, even by recruiters. Oh, that's that's such a good point. Um, even when I was, my interest, everything that I learned was from my own research. Um, because who you ask, you may get different responses. Um, and I think also the term administrator, I'll also threw people off of what the day-to-day entails. And I'm I'm sure we, we'll dive deep into that a little bit later. But as, as I continue to, to learn more about it and then saw what goes into it from the finance aspect, the legal aspect, the planning, partnering with compensation, all these different groups, I started to learn more about what these groups did as well, but I also had to educate them about what the importance of what they did and how it fed into the stock administration role. And so in doing that, that's when people start to realize, wait a second, um, this person doesn't just, you know, push a button and, and transactions happen or they just administrate and push numbers through. They're actually doing some complex work that requires my complex involvement. And from a recruiter standpoint, oh my goodness, yes. I mean, it's it's funny when you start to try to build your team and you tell them what you need and they put together the the job rec for you and you read it, you're like, wait, what, what, what is this? This is not, this is, this is not happening. Oh, and is this the money you're trying to offer? <laughs> right. Oh, we have problems. So right. definitely it's, it's from a top down of the misunderstanding of what, what we do in our roles. Yeah. I think, I think I've seen that a million times where it gets bucketed into the general administration role 
which is really a lot of times that's kind of an entry-level role that doesn't require a ton of specialized skill. But this role in particular does require specialized knowledge and specialized skill. I mean, particularly to be a lead stock plan administrator. I mean, tell us about the the, um, professional designation that's involved. Oh, definitely. The CEP to me is probably, I'm not going to say probably, I think it should be held in the standard upwards with um, CPAs, even CLEs. So that's, you know, get your continuous degrees. I mean, education from a legal standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny that when certain people who understand a, C, a CEP, they know the work that goes into it and right. they understand that you come in with the CEP designation means that you are a subject matter expert and they rely on you to provide that insight from that level. Um, On the other side, what seems to be happening is there are a lot of executives or leadership and people who know they need a stock administrator because they hear other companies have it. And another person may say, you get you one with a CEP and that sounds great. But when you get into the role, you realize that, they don't know what they have. We see things happening. You have a professional right there and all these decisions are being made without consulting the professional. Mm-hmm. And you see them going down the path and you, you're in a meeting and you say, hey, wait a second. This is not something that we want to do. And they keep going. Like, okay, you need to slow down. We don't want to make this decision. And then they keep going and they roll right through the stop sign. But then they get in a crash and they look at the, now they look at me and say, hey, Let's fix it. And I'm thinking to right. myself, we shouldn't have to fix it. If you just listen to us telling you to slow down and hit that stop sign, we'd be fine. But now you want us to come in on the back end. And I think that's what a lot of the executives or professionals who hire us, who don't understand what the CEP is, they just see it as letters and think, oh, they must know what they're doing. That's what I need. Let's bring them in, but then don't know how to utilize us once we're there. But without that designation, I tell you, that there are plenty of my colleagues who are in roles and they tell me about the battles of not being at the table. Their voices aren't heard. Um, they provide recommendations and people just kind of look over them and, and glaze over them because all they see, like you said before, is like a general administrator type of role. So CEP, when you said it's highly misunderstood and people don't know what goes into it, what do you think should be done what would you recommend? Like, how do you approach that with other people? Thinking back when I was in college, it seems like everybody knew what they wanted to do. And then you realize when you get out of college, nobody really knew what they wanted to do. Probably a handful right. of people, but that's it. Um, but a lot of the, the roles that were, that were, let's say, promoted in some of the um, different fields, once you go into those roles, there's not much... Mm-hmm. And you can be a stock administrator also while you figure these things out. And I give them that little hook because I know once they get into it, that a lot of times they'll be interested in the role they have themselves because they can now dip their toes in each one of them without fully having to commit to any of these other types of roles. Mm-hmm. So I say that all into circling back into going back to the full promotion of the CEP overall. I think that it's great that obtaining a CP a CEP is difficult. Yeah, it is. Right? Because yeah. if it was something easy, to me the the respect that it garners w- wouldn't be there 
or everybody could just jump in and say, I'm a CEP now. Like no disrespect to um, some of our awesome realtors in the industry, but I have probably 500 friends who are realtors and probably two of them know what they're really doing. I'm just going to be honest. But everybody just jumped into it because they thought it was something that was easy. They could obtain a license and do it and make easy money. But, you know, some of these things garner respect and hard work. And once people obtain that designation, it kind of tells everybody else in the industry, oh, this person's serious. They know what they're doing. They're driven and dedicated to this role. Um, We got to give them a try. Let's let's listen to what they have to say. And yeah, I I, I just want to keep pushing that narrative of showing the strength behind the CEP. Definitely. There's also a ton of job security that goes with it, right? There's so few CEPs out there. You can go to any job search or recruiting site and you type in CEP and a ton of things will come up all over the country. So it is definitely high in demand and they pay, the roles pay really good money because of that. I mean, they pay a premium for the CEP. And so the, some of the roles that you've, you've talked about are the exposure that you get, you know, legal, HR, finance, it's not just exposure to internal at the company that you're working for. I'm constantly on calls with stock plan administrators at various companies and you know the third party attorneys will come in and we're talking about building their, you know, lockup release or you know, et cetera, et cetera. And and then you're really deep into and exposed and need to brush up on your securities law, right? And potential, like what are what are the examples of potential litigation so that everybody can come to the table and and you know really understand what the topic of the day is and how you solve that problem. There's so many things you learn in this role, and it's it's so highly misunderstood. When you have a CEP and it's so scarce, you not only have job security, but you really have the pick of the litter. You can go where you want and do what you want. You can, as my dad would say, you could write your own ticket. So, you know, highly, highly um, in demand and and something that I think is really attractive to people, especially these days, and especially folks that grew up in the financial crisis. Um, job security is a really, really big thing. So great path to go down from a, a career perspective. Um, let's talk a little bit about the industry. You know, I, I'm not a big one for lots of statistics and throwing things out because nobody ever rem- remembers them. But I think it's one thing to note when we talk about job security that the industry itself, meaning the number of plans that are out there and available to have these roles or that are being created each year for the last five years has been growing at just shy of 20%. And that's really big growth rate when you look at a lot of other types of roles or types of professions. Um, if, If the number of plans is growing by 20, just shy of 20% every year. That means all those plants need administrators. Definitely. Especially if they're going public. Oh, yes, yes. Do you want to unpack that for us a little bit? <laughs> what did you learn when you went public as a stock plant administrator? <laughs> What's the number one thing that you learned? Like you can, you can not only do hard things, but maybe go without some sleep for a few days. One of the biggest things I've learned really during the IPO, and this really helped me in my career development is that Regardless of a title or a role or the person in their background, no one knows everything. And you get into these situations where there's a lot of complex things going around. You're listening and, you know, they're they're discussing things and you assume that this person is the CFO or this person is, you know, the, the general counsel. They know this or that about equity. And that's not true. 
They do not know. And there's been times where I've partnered with the external counsel and helped them with some things. There's been times I partnered with my CFO and we became like best friends. And he's emailing me like at two or three in the morning just to confirm these different numbers. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, like I'm glad that you entrusted me in this. That's that's pretty awesome because a lot of times people just didn't come to me, even though they should have. And you start to learn more and more that these people really need us as stock plan administrators to take over. And when I say take over, it's like our voice is there. And if we don't speak up, then they'll never know. And so one of the things that because you said something great about the plant, the amount of money that are being put into these plans and and the amount trillions. of people, tr- like trillions. trillions of dollars. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And to think about that, us as stock plan administrators really have the key into driving the value in those plans. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen some of the most awesome thought out things from some of our people in comp and and and. HR and I'm thinking to myself, that sounds great and awesome. But if you do that, the IRS will be at, you know, in front of us in like 24 hours and we'll, our plan will be, you know, gone and, and everything at the start from scratch. But I like your idea. You know, it's like some of these ideas are just great. I have to be the one to tell them that I like them, but we can't, we can't do that. You know, it's, it's, right. it's right. those types of things where we have to step up and and voice and, and and exude our voice. You know the number one thing that I always try and re- like keep in mind, and you know the t- the time shuffle thing is one thing, but I will have to say that you know whenever whenever I meet with folks that are new, I always do a, a new employee meeting when people have joined the team, and mm-hmm. I just had one the other day, and it really is my favorite way to spend my time, and it's my most impactful way that I can spend my time as well. And and I always tell them, listen, when everybody thinks you're busy and important, guess what happens? Like, nobody ever calls you, right? <laughs> nobody ever. My calendar will fill up with stuff I probably don't want to do, but I mean, I'd much rather hang out with you guys and learn, you know, what am I not seeing? What are you seeing on the ground? What's weird? What's awesome? That's the kind of feedback that I need to get to lead a large organization, because otherwise I get put in the, the you know, big tower, and people are too afraid to talk to me. Mm. So I do my best to be honest, be authentic. Sometimes we know that's a good thing or not a good thing, right? <laughs> just, just saying. And the other thing that I make it widely known and I have zero ego about, and it's 100% true, is I routinely say, I am the least important person in this organization. If I walk out the door, they might be like, well, she was nice. That was a good time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> but if, if my teams who, you know, help folks like you and your teams that work with our customers, work with our clients that, you know, answer the phones and help our participants, that the education, all of that, if they walk out the door, the lights go off. Yeah. If I walk out the door, the lights do not go off. And that means, by default, I am the least important person on that team. Good point. And, and it is 100% true. I, I, nobody should have an ego about that. And because of that, you really have to work to make an impact and create the right environment 
and also have a really good understanding of, you know, top to bottom, side to side, bottom up. You have to have a really good understanding of what you're there to do. So Lyft has a mission and purpose. How does your organization contribute to that? Schwab has a mission and purpose, you know, a story that the company was built around. And you have to not only believe in it, you have to really understand what you do on a daily basis, how that supports that mission and purpose. And if you believe in it and then you know how you contribute to it, that just by itself creates great engagement. And it gives it gives people something to get out of bed for in the morning. And oh, I got to tell you, the last two and a half years, that's not really always been super obvious. So kind of keeps people together that way. Um, but honestly, the time shuffle is, uh, like I said, my calendar will fill up with a bunch of stuff I probably don't want to do. But I would <laughs> gladly trade that to talk with people, mentor people, help help people yes. kind of get, get over that, um, like, here's who I think I should be versus allowing yourself to be who you are in the best possible way to benefit, you know, your firm, your clients, your employees, your teams, and build a really great future. And I think the potential for doing that in the equity comp industry is so huge because of the demand and the growth that we're seeing. So it's such an exciting place to be. I I wish we could talk about this, you know, (laughs) ad nauseum. I mean, we could be here for five hours, don't you think? (laughs) But it's, I I tell everybody, I tell everybody that I've worked with, whether it's in the branches, you know, my niece and my nephew, I say, if I had to do it all over again, knowing what I know now, I would get my CEP and I would go down that road because everybody that I've talked to that didn't know about it, that then got into it, like your story, um, most people stumbled into it. Yeah. Right. I've never heard anybody that said in first grade, I want to be an equity comp administrator. Right. (laughs) And (laughs) speaking of that, since since we're on a mission now to change that, if you could if you could rename it, I know that we have to have, you know, like very professional names like equity programs manager (laughs) and very important sounding things that don't sound like administrator. But if you could name it, if you could name the role anything, what would you name it? Oh, my goodness. Santa Claus, free money heroes. I mean, there's so many. Free money heroes, yeah. I like that, right? People perk up. People perk up. (laughs) What? You do what? Free money hero. Come on down. Um, Oh, my goodness. I really have to think about that because I was was really – I do. I'm going to say I was. I'm really – into equity programs because I feel like that's what we that's what we do and that's what we manage because everybody has equity programs and they could be different of course for each company but then you can also you know structure titles around that that name so for instance there's a person on the team he's like equity programs developer I call him a developer because he actually build stuff like he saved us so much money by building literal systems and and reports and things like that like he sees something i give him the the free runway build it let's see it and then it works and we use it um the equity programs manager like people who manage our equity programs and things of that nature but there is still a confusion with those people who are in like equity diversity and inclusion And those are equity programs, people as well, or they kind of Mm -hmm. have that, that title. Sure. 
Um, I have some people seen some people use shareholder um, services. I do like that. Um, I, I feel like that I like to know what that all entails because I feel like shareholder services could also be part of investor relations because I've seen that before as well, um, which is fine. I just would like to know what all goes in that, but I like that title. Um, I would have to, oh my goodness, I'd have to get a glass of wine and really sit back one even and, and mm. think that one through. Because, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a terrible idea. What time? <laughs> Oh my goodness. What about, what about like, do you ever talk about the theme of ownership? Yes. Yes. Um, Cause that's really what, what equity is, right? It's really giving employees. I mean, at, at Schwab, we've, we've said for years that we turn earners into owners and that's really what you do, right? So we're creating ownership of your own, your own firm. And there's already like a club of employees, right? These mm-hmm. are the people that you see and work with every day. And then you're all becoming owners of that as well, and you're more invested. So maybe there's something there along the lines of ownership. I think that's I think that's a big term that doesn't that's not used enough. I'm it's I'm not. glad you mentioned that too because personally, I'll say this: I think that when you go back to and this is and a lot of people <laughs> that's that's coming on a team now don't realize what happened when you think back towards like Enron and things of those situations. Right. And it's always been a thin line for me to explain, you know, these are the vest you're vesting. You now own these shares. These are yours. You've worked for these. Right. And in some people say free and I do like free money. I, I do like that. Free I, money I heroes, like free money heroes. But then I do tell some people like when I explain the rugged taxes, right. Ugh. We're not going to talk about that. But I let them know, like, it was, you didn't pay for them with money per se, but they weren't free. You worked hard to, to earn these, you know? So these, you own these. You should feel pride in, in, in achieving whatever you had to achieve to gain ownership of these shares, which makes you also an owner in this company. Um, however, on the same, on when I flip my hand over, I also feel that from a, financial wellness perspective, right? Mm-hmm. You also want people not to feel like they are, like not to feel guilty for selling the shares or diversifying or doing whatever their plans they may feel like may be best for them. Let's say that. Sure. Um, but I do feel like I need to work in ownership more because especially some of the new hires that come in who've never had equity before, they hear so many terms but I think ownership is probably the the least, the probably probably one of the least that they've heard when it comes to their actual equity, which should be one of the biggest. So I'm glad you said that. I, th- I need to incorporate that. That's a good point. Yeah, and impressing that upon your participants is really important to help them understand the value that the company sees in them. So yeah. there's broad based plans, but there's still you know economies of scale at play there. And it truly is an investment in the future that that every company is making. So it's a, a terrific thing to highlight from a, a benefits perspective or a, depending benefits compensation, depending on where it lives with your, your company. So tell me one more thing. I'm going to ask you one more question. You know, we've, we've already talked about the breadth and depth of the role. It's truly misunderstood and often misrepresented, but um, it's commonly described as mostly like an accounting role. And 
I think you referenced something about office space where, you know, people hear it and they think they're just going to be spinning out spreadsheets in a broom closet with a red stapler somewhere. <laughs> you know, I mean, no offense accounting, but you should take that up with the recruiting folks because that's how they talk about you. So, you know, understanding that you, Mr. Lamont Walker, are not the broom closet kind of guy, in case anybody was wondering, what really keeps you engaged in this profession? Like, why do you do what you do every day? What's made the most impact on you? Oh, Wow. That is a awesome question. And as you were reading it or, or saying it to me, I just had so many things go across my mind, just of my whole career of things that people have, have told me or said to me about equity and things they've learned or, or things how have how been impacted and changed and things of that nature. I'll say that what keeps me here as opposed to, you know, drifting into another role that that equity ties into, because the opportunity has definitely been there, is seeing firsthand how equity, employee-based equity, has impacted people outside of the office. In what way? Good. I'm glad you said So, for, for example... Um, <laughs> wait for it, wait for it. Exactly right. <laughs> in, in working and doing some of these IPOs... You know, I've heard some crazy things. Like there was one one guy, I'll never forget this ever. He had a picture of a De- the DeLorean from Back to the Future, like at his workspace. And he was mm-hmm. like, at IPO, I'm buying a DeLorean. Can you still buy a DeLorean? Um, Is that a thing? I don't know. I just think thought to myself of all the things that you want to do that's it well i mean go do it but i mean that's your thing go do it right but on the flip side i was talking to this guy this other person who had wanted to get married and situations in his past financially put him in a situation where getting married he said would financially cripple his wife, if they were to get married, because his, I guess he made some bad financial decisions. I don't know what he was talking about. I didn't ask. So I didn't want to go that deep. But as all the stop plan people who may be out there listening know, we become unofficial psychiatrists. Like we, when we have one on ones, we hear so many things that that people want to share with us when it comes to equity, and they and they really open up, which is fantastic. And and I. That's one of the things that really keep me drawn to this role. So as I begin to educate him on just the basics of what he has and how, you know, if we IPO, this is what could be expected, you know, talk to a tax advisor and get you a financial planner and these things, you could see him opening up because the things he had heard about equity from his uncle or cousin or whoever just was totally out of left field, just wasn't right at all. So fast forward probably a year. I saw him in the office. This was after IPO because, you know, once you're an IPO, it's like you're an ostrich. Your head is like in the sand. Like you're people just you don't see many people when you're running around like that. He told me that he got married. He bought a house. He wiped out his financial, like his debts and things like that. And I'm thinking to myself, whoa. And he was like, 
I went out and got a financial planner. You know, I got a tax advisor and I also referred my financial planner, my tax advisor to my uncle or his cousin. I can't remember. It was somebody in his family. But he was telling me all the things now and show me pictures of his like, you know, his newborn son and things of that nature. And I'm thinking to myself, man, just like a year and some change ago, you know, he was all nervous, not knowing what he was going to be able to do and things of that nature. And, you know, and I had to be real with him because I told him, like, if we don't have an IPO, then this this is just paper. Like, you got to right. got to plan, be smart with it, plan accordingly. And in hearing him say all these things, that's what keeps me drawn into to what I do. It's those types of conversations I have with people um, when I hear like somebody tell me that they were the first to graduate college in their family. Now they have an IPO and they're going back home and helping pay their parents bills off and things like that and and fixing their house up. And it's just those types of stories that. That, that keeps me driving. So even though the DeLorean, hearing the DeLorean stories are fun, but it's those other ones that I hear quite often that that really keep me dialed in. It's like you said, also, I, I really want to stay in touch with the people. Like I get so busy sometimes on, on higher level things, but I always try to make myself available to to the people just so I can hear what's going on and, and kind of help help educate them and put them in a position where they can make some, some good decisions with some of the things they've been earning. So as long as that keeps happening, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Super gratifying, isn't it? Oh, 100%. Super gratifying. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really glad that you pulled that out because I think most people feel like it's numbers, it's accounting, it's, you know, debits on the left, credits on the right. And I, I, I don't think most people truly understand or appreciate the, people-centric nature of that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's such a unique opportunity to make a huge impact on people's lives and, and their financial futures. And I know I know that's where my heart lies. I know what joy there is in, in being able to make that kind of contribution to someone. And they never forget it. They mm-hmm. never forget that turning point in their lives where things became easier and they were able to do those things, pay off their parents' debt wipe out their own, have a family, buy a house, all of the things that were untouchable to them. And you and your teams do that every day. Yes. You do it every day. And it's it's not a very widely appreciated aspect of the role. I've talked about that a number of times, that the work you do is so important. And I don't think that our administrators hear that often enough. You you probably don't really hear that from your employees at the time, but every now and then you get that spark and you say, yeah, this is why I do this. This is, this is really unique. It's really, really special. Um, It's such an exceptionally fulfilling way to spend your time and spend your days and build a, a really meaningful career path. And, you know, at the end of the day, Equity Comp really is the business of investing in your employees. And I mean, man, if we could all do a little bit more of that and and then see the effects of it. Yes. What a great world we'd live in, right? <laughs> Definitely, Let's yeah, do exactly. it, Lamont. We can do it together. We can I'm do it together. It. I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lamont, it has been such a joy to have you on the show today. I mean, I knew we'd have a great conversation, but this completely exceeded even my own expectations. Wait, 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 wait. It's an hour. Are you serious? We it's done? an hour. Yeah, it's an hour no. already. I know. I mean, time flies when you're having fun. Oh, my 
That's all I can say. Yes. And we always have fun on Equity Unpacked. So I'm so glad you were here today. (laughs) Thank you so much for spending some time with us. It it was a really great conversation, great information for our listeners. And uh, would love to have you on the show again sometime soon. I know, again, we could talk about this for like five hours. (laughs) We have reached our limit. So thank you. Thank you so much for the conversation. Thanks for the camaraderie. Loved your insights. And we hope to see you again. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Thanks. Absolutely. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed our episode today with Lamont Walker from Lyft. He is a great resource on LinkedIn. You can reach out to him if you'd like to have more information or be able to ask him questions directly. That's all we have for you today. I hope everybody enjoyed our journey. Lamont, thank you again. And safe travels, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and subscribe to the show to get updates on new episodes. For important disclosures, see the show notes or visit schwab.com equityunpacked.